the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Program is sponsored by Town Hall Review. number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578, to be on the air, Bible Talk, with Pastor Emery Moss, and not Pastor Emery Moss again, because on Thursdays, I have my good friend, my mentor, and my teacher on the line. His name is Mr. Smith, uh, may have referred him already, and he is with us today. I would say to everyone, welcome to the program. Mr. Smith, how you doing? Very well, Pastor Moss. Thank you for having me on again. Well, good, good for having you here again. We, we appreciate it very much and all the insight that you give us. Uh, and uh, so everybody needs to get their Bibles and get ready because you never know what Mr. Smith is going to put on the table. What are we dealing with today, Mr. Smith? Well, I want to review a tiny bit of where we were when we last were on live. And then I'm going to proceed to talk about mulberry trees. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And people will wonder, well, what on earth has mulberry trees got to do with anything? Well, right. a whole lot more than you might suspect. <laughs> now, the, one of the recent programs I mentioned that it's neither truthful nor fair scholarship to approach a work of literature from a consistently unsympathetic and hostile worldview in the attempt to legitimately understand its message. And I've tried to get that point across to some of my atheist friends on the Internet lately, and they don't take too well to that idea, but uh, maybe they'll figure it out eventually. Who knows? (laughs) But rather, in our attempt to understand a work of literature, we must let it speak for itself. Uh The task of scholarship is to place the reader as close as possible in sympathetic relationship to the viewpoint of the original writer. 
and the recipients of literary work, and not to attempt to explain it away in an effort to force it to agree with popular contemporary philosophical presuppositions. Okay. And then I gave, it as a kind of afterthought just past Christmas when we were on, uh, an example of Luke's accuracy in the story of Jesus' birth. And we talked about no room for them in the inn. And you may remember that, that there were a couple of different words in the Greek text for the word inn, but we discovered that Luke is extremely accurate in his description of what's going on, and how could he do that if he weren't there at the time? Well, he had reliable sources, just as he talks about in the first four verses or so of the Gospel of Luke. And the word in, in the Christmas story at Luke 2-7, is not the same as the in that is mentioned in the parable about the Jericho Road and the uh, Samaritan that was the only one that stopped to help the injured individual and take him to an inn. That was a different kind of inn. Uh -huh. And the inn that's in Luke 2, 7 has to do with a guest room in the home. And uh, in, in this case, Mary and, and Joseph couldn't stay in the inn because the guest room was occupied. And so they stayed in the family room with the family. And we went into that in some considerable depth before. Well, now I want to proceed further on the accuracy. And uh, I want to give an example of Bible accuracy, but unfortunately not translator accuracy in terms of the subject of mulberry trees. Now, <laughs> the first verse I'm going to read doesn't seem to have anything to do with mulberry trees, but as you hear what we read elsewhere in Scripture, you'll see it does and it doesn't. Psalm 84.6 says, Who, passing through the valley of Baca, B-A-C-A, Make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. And you'd say, Mr. Smith, what on earth is going on there? Well, you'll have to hold on to your seat and we'll show you. <laughs> it's related to a passage in Second Samuel 5, verse 23. And there we read, And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. Now, I'm going to read that in a modern translation, the uh, contemporary English version, which is usually pretty good, but they didn't get the point either, but at least it's clearer English, where it says, David asked the Lord what he should do. And the Lord answered, don't attack them from the front circle around behind and attack them from among the balsam trees. Uh -huh. Now, you see, some scholars think that that word in the Hebrew refers to balsam trees because at least that word, maybe some related ones, mean weeping. <laughs> now, I've got a note at uh, the passage for Second Samuel 5.23 in the New Treasury of Scripture Knowledge and also in the ultimate cross-reference treasury. The original note that was given in the comprehensive Bible published by Baxter way back in the 1820s reads, the word 
Beckham, B-E-C-H-A-I-M, rendered mulberry trees, is rendered by Aquila, by a Greek word, apion, which means pear trees, as the Septuagint also renders it in First Chronicles 14, 14, and 15. Mm-hmm. And so the Vulgate in both places has pyrorum. The rabbins, in other words, the Jewish rabbis, however, believe it that Bacca signifies the mulberry tree, and so on. Uh-huh. Now, Robert Dick Wilson wrote about this in a very interesting booklet or pamphlet that he published called, Is the Higher Criticism Scholarly? <laughs> and the answer is, sometimes they aren't, but I'll <laughs> go into depth so you can see what happens. He wrote, You will have observed that the critics of the Bible who go to it in order to find fault have a most singular way of claiming to themselves all knowledge and all virtue and all love of truth. One of their favorite phrases is, quote, all scholars agree, unquote. (laughs) You may have heard that, too. I've read it a lot of times. (laughs) Kind of over. uh, Man writes a book and seeks to gain a point by saying, all scholars agree, Mr. Wilson says, I wish to know who the scholars are right. and why they agree. Where do they get their evidence from to start with? Then he says, I remember some years ago I was investigating the word Baca, which you have in your English Bible, passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, Psalm 84, 6. He says, I found in the Hebrew Dictionary that there was a traveler named Burkhart who said that Baca meant mulberry trees. That was not very enlightening. I could not see how mulberry trees or mulberries had anything to do with water. I looked up all the authority of the scholars in Germany and England since Burkhardt's time and found they had all quoted Burkhardt, just one scholar at the back of it. Then here's where it gets interesting. When I was traveling in the Orient, Mr. Wilson says, I found that we had delicious water here and there. The water sprang up, apparently, out of the ground in the midst of the desert. I asked my brother, who was a missionary, where this water came from. He said, they bring this water from the mountains. It's an underground aqueduct. They cover it over to prevent it from evaporating. Now, the name of that underground aqueduct was Baca. My point is that you ought to be able to trace back this agreement among scholars to the original scholar who propounded the statement and then find out whether what that scholar said is true. Uh What was the foundation of his statement? And there you've got something that will enlighten a number of texts of Scripture where they will now make better sense than they have until now. The Valley of Rephium has been connected by some with the Valley of Baca mentioned in Psalm 84.6. Thus, John D. Davis, in his A Dictionary of the Bible, and you might have a copy of that dictionary by Davis, possibly the Valley of Rephium, where such trees were found, 2 Samuel 5.22 and 23, Revised Version Margin. Perhaps, however, the expression is figurative, as the Greek and Syrian translators believe, like Valley of the Shadow of Death, and he notes any veil of tears. 
Tobacco has been identified by many as in Davis as a balsam tree, so named from its shedding, as it were, tears of gum, possibly also a noun meaning weeping, yet the identification is conjectural, as Willis J. Beecher notes in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, where he says, conjecturally, the word is by variant spelling of the stem, which denotes weeping. Then I comment, Wilson's correction of the identification of Bacca is an underground as an underground aqueduct is more probable than the admittedly conjectural identification with a balsam tree or mulberry tree, for it suits the context, since such an aqueduct is mentioned in Second Samuel five eight, by means of which David's men gain access to the previously unconquerable stronghold of the Jebusites, now Jerusalem. Furthermore, the Valley of Rephaim was known for its good water. And you remember when David said, oh, I wish I could have some water from the well of Bethlehem. Uh And three men went and got the water, and David, realizing these men had greatly risked their lives, wouldn't wouldn't, uh, drink it himself, but offered it as a kind of Offering, I guess you'd say, of some kind, poured it out on the ground. It was very touching uh, when David did that. Yeah. Now, there's another passage of Scripture in Second Kings 18.17, where it says, And the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshaka, or Sheka, whatever you want to call it, from Lachish, to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool. Catch that word, conduit. In our electrical class, we always pronounced it conduit because we had conduit benders to bend conduit or conduit. And that's that aqueduct from the upper pool, which is in the highway of the Fuller's Field. Now, the contemporary English version translates that. The king of Assyria ordered his three highest military officers to leave Lachish and take a large army to Jerusalem. When they arrived, the officers stood on the road near the clothmaker's shops along the canal from the upper pool. So they think it's a canal, but it wasn't a canal which is open. It was an underground aqueduct. Now, if the Fuller's Field were near Enrogel, which really means the fountain of the Fuller, a well near Jerusalem to the southeast, or the Fuller's Fountain east of Jerusalem, as is generally supposed, then the conduit of the upper pool may have been an aqueduct that brought the water from the upper or eastern reservoir of that fountain, which had been seized in order to distress the city. Now, the next passage is First Chronicles 14.15. There it says, And it shall be when thou shalt hear the sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that when thou shalt go out to battle, for God has gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And that's the King James Version, which I always read first, and I prefer it as a basic source of my study. 
But then to get it in modern English, I often turn to the contemporary English version, which reads, Wait there until you hear the treetops making the sound of marching troops. That sound will mean I have marched out ahead of you to fight the Philistine army, so you must then attack quickly. Now, you can tell those translators didn't know what Robert Dick Wilson did, but at least the English is clearer. (laughs) (laughs) So when some taking the word Beckheim translated mulberry trees as a proper name, render when thou shalt hear the sound of going upon the summits of Beckheim, or Beckheim, whatever that is, Others, understanding Rosh, a top in the sense of beginning or entrance, read, When thou hearest the sound of footsteps at the entrance of the grove of mulberry trees, and others think that a rustling among the leaves is intended. The Targumist reads, When thou shalt hear the sound of the angels coming to thy assistance, then go out to battle, for an angel is sent from the presence of God, that he may render thy way prosperous. Now, if there had not been an evident supernatural interference, David might have thought that his stratagem of war, which he had used, was the cause of his victory. But he realized that it was a miracle that God worked for him. Taking the, by the way, that was from a note that was in the original uh, source of the original treasure of Scripture knowledge. Then going on with what I have to say about that, Taking the information from the note on 2 Samuel 5.23, where Robert Dick Wilson is cited to show that Baca has reference not to mulberry trees, but an underground aqueduct, and the hints given in the note above, very provisionally it might be suggested that the sound of going in the mulberry trees was either the sound of wind or rushing air flowing through the aqueduct, indicating either that it was now safe to enter and traverse or that the top of it at some point had been opened, which admitted fresh air, so making the sound and indicating it was safe to enter. David's men then entered the aqueduct, crawled through it to the point where a well shaft went up into the city of Jebus beside the wall, ascended the shaft, and thus gaining entrance to what had heretofore been an impregnable city, easy of defense, conquered it. Thus, the references in the note above to top, summit, and footsteps at the entrance suggest, when taken in the light, that what is referred to as an aqueduct, not a grove of mulberry trees, how David's actual stratagem worked. Perhaps hearing the footsteps at the entrance was a signal for David to know to pursue his attack, as such a sound would indicate his men had successfully traversed the aqueduct and associated shafts. So what do you think of that, Pastor Moss? Well, well it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it corrects a lot of misinformation that the translators didn't quite get it straight so that you read the text and it makes sense with what was going on. Okay, okay. <laughs> so what should we be careful uh, uh, of as we, uh, as we study? Well, it kind of reminds me of a thought I've had quite often that sometimes one very careful scholar can upset the apple cart for all the rest of them if he did his homework better. Mm-hmm. And this is the case where I think Robert Dick Wilson certainly did. 
And I've experienced that in a lot of different directions. <laughs> Even in teaching Pastor Moss, it's, um, when I was teaching at CAS, those kids were bright, including Pastor Moss. Well, not and, me. Uh, I, I just stuck in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you did all right. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> and I certainly appreciate the blessing that it was to have you and many other students at that time in my classes and in the Bible Discussion Club. Yeah, now, this gets back to where we what. were before we turned off on all these little side paths to following up on uh, divine guidance. And at this point where we went off on those various things, it was dealing with this point resolutely holding to a favorite set of proof texts from Scripture rather than adhering to the whole counsel of God. Now, the next point is the 12th aspect of guidance that we were talking about. In doctrinal matters, failing to genuinely accept the Bible as the sufficient, perspicuous, sole, and final authority. Now, I've had people ask me and say, Mr. Smith, where do you find anything in the Bible that says you got to go just by the Bible and nothing else? And yeah. I tell them, that's pretty simple. Yeah, that's a strange question to ask. <laughs> yeah. You know, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, mm-hmm. to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. At least that's how the King James Version reads, as I recall. I'm quoting it from memory, but I think I have it right. Yep. And to me, that answers it. Now, there are lots of other scriptures that deal with the same issue. Proverbs 8 9. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and write to them that find knowledge. Now, people will say, what do you mean that people can understand the Bible? If they could understand the Bible, how come there's so many different opinions about practically anything it says? And the answer is that some folks didn't do their homework. Yeah, and some people don't like the truth. Yeah. I believe that where two people disagree about what the Bible has to say, Almost always it's possible to very carefully dig into Scripture, check the meaning of the original languages, check the surrounding context, check the related passages that are connected with that, check that subject as it's taught throughout the rest of the Bible, and you can come to pretty solid conclusions as to which view is most likely to be correct. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, I agree with you 100%. Scripture interprets Scripture. Yeah. Now, there's an interesting verse in uh, Proverbs 18.1, where it says, Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Now, modern translations and modern commentaries do not come up with the answer that I found when I was preparing the new treasury from a commentary by a man named 
Ward Law, if I recall correctly. But here's my note that I put in that uh, Proverbs 18.1. He or he that separateth himself seeketh according to his desire and intermeddleth in every business. And that's an official re-rendering by the translators of the King James Version. But Isaac Leeser, who is a Jewish translator, he renders it, he that separateth himself from God seeketh his own desires. At every sound wisdom he is enraged. But now Ralph Wardlaw observes that the verse is variously rendered such that opposing translations express an opposite meaning, and I just gave you some. <laughs> Wardlaw argues that since this verse is in contrast with verse 2, this verse must be taken in a positive sense of a man who loves and pursues knowledge, whereas verse 2 speaks of the man who undervalues and despises it. Wardlaw explains, through desire, that is, a desire of knowledge, a man having separated himself, that is, having retired and secluded himself from interruption by the intrusion of companions and the engagements of social life, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. That's from Ralph Wardlaw, Lectures on the Book of Proverbs, Volume 2, page 170 and page 171. Uh -huh. To suggest this verse teaches that the individual has no authority to read and understand Holy Scripture independently of the authority of a religious organization, as the Jehovah's Witnesses maintain, and their claim to be Jehovah's exclusive vehicle of divine truth as the faithful and wise servant, alluding to Matthew 24:45, is unacceptable, being in conflict with the direct teaching of Scripture elsewhere regarding the right of private judgment and the perspicuity of Scripture. So there you have a different interpretation. <laughs> from Proverbs 18.1, which I kind of like. And you remember Mr. Wordlaw in his commentary says there's a contrast between 18.1 and 18.2, so let me read those two verses in succession. Okay. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Verse 2, a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. All right, so those two verses, and uh, I just got the uh, the close time, Mr. Smith, just as we got all deep into it here. Um, yep. We're going to have to stop here and, uh, and, and uh, pick it up with you next time. Very good. Look forward to that. All right, all right, and we will look forward to hearing you. Thank you very much. All right, God bless you. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Did you know that Big Lou can vaccinate your entire estate from the virus known as Uncle Sam? That's right. Big Lou and Term Provider have the only single-dose solution in town, a $1 million term life insurance policy. Yep, a $1 million term life insurance policy with no side effects. One call to Big Lou can lead to an entire estate vaccination that will provide 100% guaranteed protection against estate taxes and debt, even if you are a bit porky or have a splash of sugar diabetes. In fact, a 50-year-old male may qualify for half a million dollars of coverage for less than 100 bucks per month, a million for less than 200 per month. 
Call Big Lou at Term Provider to get the service and price you deserve with zero side effects. Call 800-555-2085 right now. 800-555-2085. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He follows the science, too. Call 800-555-2085 or visit BigLou.com. Big Lou doesn't give tax advice. New deal alert at gottahalfitnow.com. Available today, we're offering Insignia 43-inch LED TVs for $150, just in time for the big game. Use with Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. Stream apps like Hulu, Netflix, and more. Or hook up your favorite gaming consoles. If you're shopping on a budget, go to gottahalfitnow.com to purchase an Insignia 43-inch LED TV for only $150. Our unbeatable deals are available in limited quantities, and go fast. Visit gottahalfitnow.com. A Limited Grace with Brian Chapel blesses our airwaves every weekday with scripture and real-world problems. Here at Faith Talk, our desire is for you to grow in the grace of God. Keep up to date with Pastor Brian Chapel and his ministry Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. or online at faithtalkdetroit.com. Unlimited Grace with Brian Chapel weekdays at 3, right here on Faith Talk Detroit and faithtalkdetroit.com. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Before abortion was legalized, pro-abortion activists claimed tens of thousands of women died from illegal back-alley abortions. One of those people, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, later admitted those numbers were totally false. According to the U.S. Vital Statistics, only 39 women died from illegal abortions the year before Roe v. Wade. Today, the extreme pro-abortion organization called Occupy Democrats claims the same outrageous numbers. They also claim Roe was the end of women dying from abortions. This is another lie. Hundreds of women have died from legal abortions since Roe. And those are only the reported ones. Most go unreported. Abortion advocates will say and do anything to keep the lucrative abortion industry humming along while women and their babies suffer. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578. To be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Henry Moss. I want to thank Mr. Smith for contributing to our program on Thursdays. Uh, just uh, such a blessing to have uh, a person of his caliber talking to us about the, the Word of God. Right now, I would like to deal with the subject that, well, it might be controversial to some, but it's pretty clear to me. In answer to the question, are apostles for today? Are apostles for today? Now, my, act, my answer to that question would be no, okay? that apostles are not for today. Okay? Now, of course, needless to say, it is a controversial subject because there are people calling themselves apostles right now. Okay? Uh, and uh, I don't think, though, that anyone who calls himself an apostle now is filling the same kind of shoes that were filled by the apostles in the New Testament. So if you want some scriptures that help to deal with that, because you might come in contact with uh, some of these folks, and I just want to tell it like it is from the Bible, okay? If we deal with the apostolic office, let us first look at what the qualifications are in the Bible, not made up by me, 
not made up by some writer somewhere. What does the Bible tell us that an apostle is? Okay? So that's the important thing. Remember, as I've always said, uh, any discussion that does not involve Scripture is a worthless one if we're dealing with a biblical topic. Right? So, first of all, point number one. Point number one. Jesus Christ himself selected the apostles. Jesus selected them. They had to be selected by Jesus Christ. Turn to Luke, and in uh, chapter 6, it's pretty clear. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, we're in the Word of God, okay? And uh, that's where we have to find our answers, right? In Luke 6 and 12, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, Jesus, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day... He called unto him his disciples. Now notice, disciples and apostles, not the same thing. Every Christian is a disciple or a follower of Christ. Okay? So don't think that disciples and apostles are the same thing. It says in uh, verse 13 again, in Luke uh, chapter uh, 6 and verse 13, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. So notice that. He had many disciples, okay? over 70 or more, right? It says when he, in verse 13, and it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. Okay? So there were 12 apostles. There were many disciples, but 12 apostles. Okay? So we need to recognize this. Right? Next, there's something else that we find out about the apostles. Now, I'm not saying that God could not perform miraculous healing through anyone he chose. In fact, uh, if anyone uh, prays and it's within God's will, then God will, will heal. God will, uh, will uh, uh, you know, surround us with protection, anything that, of course, it's his will to do. So he tells us to pray, right? But notice Matthew uh, chapter uh, well, I should, well, before I go to Matthew, I'm trying to skip a verse. I'm going too fast, gang. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, 12 and 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Notice what it says here. Remember, our subject, our apostles for today. I say no. There's no apostles today like the apostles in New Testament times. Let me repeat it. There are no apostles today like the apostles we have in New Testament times. In Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, uh, it says this. We'll read into it at verse 11, uh, where Paul writes, Am I become a fool in glorying? Yet you have compelled me, for I ought to have been commanded of you, I'm sorry, commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very cheapest apostles, though I be nothing. Then he says in verse 12, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you, in all patience and signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Right? So you see here that there was uh, miraculous uh, authority, in a sense, given to uh, the apostles, given to the apostles. Okay? Uh, we see Paul saying this, and also something else, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28. Matthew 19 and 28 says this, dealing with the apostolic office and the place of the apostles. In 
Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, we read this. And Jesus said unto them, okay, and he's talking to his apostles, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration. Now, this is talking about the regeneration of the heavens and the earth, all right? When we leave a time-bound universe and we enter into an eternal universe, okay, provided by God, right? New heavens and new earth. So, verse 28, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that, that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's what he told his apostles. Okay? So this is another authority that they had. All right? So all I'm saying is okay, that there are no apostles for today. No apostles for today. And anyone who calls himself one, well, they can do that if they like. However, there are things that the apostles in the New Testament did that nobody else can do, okay? Nobody else can. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me show you. Second Peter, chapter 3. Second Peter, chapter 3. Uh, we're going to take a break. As you turn to find this, we'll be right back. Thursday on Truth For Life, Alistair Begg launches a brand new study in the book of 1 Samuel by explaining how to approach it. We have to put ourselves underneath the authority of the scripture in the literary framework in which it is presented to us. Listen as we begin our series titled, Give Us a King, Thursday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg, weekday mornings at 8.30 on FM 92.7 and AM 1500, Faith Talk Detroit. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Inside Retirement with Brett Brzezinski of the Brzezinski Group, Saturday mornings at 7 and 11, to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Inside Retirement with Brett Brzezinski, Saturday mornings at 7 and 11. Firm offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now Mike has done it again with his My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop My Slippers. He's designed them to wear inside and outside all day long. They're made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, and they're made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike's offering 50% off his My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family. Go to MyPillow.com and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including some overstock products such as individual towels, blankets, comforters, and so much more. Call 800-919-5912. That's 800-919-5912. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. This is Carol Flatley-Bell for townhall.com. The great exodus has begun from the nation's largest public school districts. A record number of families are voting with their feet in the nation's bluest cities. In New York's public school system, America's largest, enrollment has dropped by 50,000 students since 2019. That's a whopping 4.5%. In Los Angeles, the nation's second largest, there's a record loss of 6% of enrollment, 27,000 students leaving. COVID has spawned an education revolution. Urban parents at home with children barred from school by teachers' unions got a first-hand look at what their children were learning. They were not impressed. 
Whatever a parent's politics, race, or socioeconomic background, they all want their children to have the opportunities that only come with a quality education. At last, the tide of education reform is beginning to roll like a mighty wave. For those who need it most, it's long overdue. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578, to be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Amy Moss. We've got Gary on the line. What's on your mind, Gary? Uh, yes, Pastor Moss. Um, I have a question about 2 Timothy, the third chapter, 15 through 17. 2 okay. Timothy 3, 15 through 17. I'd like you to read that. Okay. 2 Timothy. I love that passage because it's dealing... Uh, here, uh, Gary, with some of the same things that we are uh, talking about on the program today, because you're looking at the key pa- one of the key passages that deals with the uh, uh, with the inspiration of Scripture. So you say Second uh, Timothy chapter three, right? Yeah, fifteen through seventeen. Okay, here in Second Second uh, Timothy chapter three and verse uh, you said verse fifteen. Fifteen through seventeen. Okay, it says. And that thou from a child has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly furnished unto all good works. Yes, sir. Okay, right. also in Second um, Peter 1 and 20, it says the scripture is not by private interpretation. Uh-huh. You're right about so that, too. You have Minister Smith. Minister Smith, he's got a theory called inten- in, uh, intentional obscuration, whatever. Is, is, uh-huh. I don't know. I might have the, wrong, the second word wrong, intentional. And you have it on replay, Minister Smith. And the Bible says the scripture is, but is of no private interpretation. Uh, the scripture right. was given by God. So I don't mm-hmm. believe in his theory of intentional obscuration. I'm a Pentecostal. So he's a Baptist. I thought we agreed with the scriptures. You can't he's not a Baptist. Why do you think he's okay, a Baptist? You Wait, you okay, said he was a theory. Gary, you said he was a yes. Baptist. How do you know he's a Baptist? He, he's mentioned a Baptist in the past down your meetings. But anyway, what I'm saying. Gary, Gary, because mm-hmm. someone mentions it doesn't mean that they are one. You can't say somebody is something unless they say they are. How do you know he's a Baptist? Well, he has a theory that the book of Revelation was changed by, by the man, uh, which I believe was the real John, John the, ba- John the Revelator. Uh, and he and, uh, and not, You're not right about that either, but I'm, I'm telling you here that he is not, in fact, he is non-denominational. Mr. Smith okay. is not a so get some of your facts right before you call, because you can okay, say something. Okay, well, I, I misunderstood, but he did say Baptist theology no, he studied. Sir, he is not a Baptist. Make sure you get your facts right. He is non-denominational. Okay, so you got to be careful, because when you say that, people will get information about a person that's not true. All right, got to go, buddy. Got other people to talk to. Number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578 to be on the air. Bible Talk with Pastor Emmy Moss and how fast that time goes. 
right when we're getting into this. But we're not going to finish this. If we don't finish it today, we've got to continue it. It's a very important thing to deal with in terms of establishing that apostles are not for today. Apostles are not for today. Now, to say that, we need scripture. Always the Bible has to support it. It just can't be your ideas without biblical support, right? Uh, and here's what we can say. And biblically prove the apostles were to be obeyed just like the Old Testament prophets. The apostles in the New Testament were to be obeyed just like the Old Testament prophets. That's right. Look at Second Peter chapter 3. This one powerful verse uh, uh, lets us know what's going on uh, with apostolic authority. In Second Peter 3, if you've got your Bible, hope you do, in verse 1 it says, This second letter or epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Now, listen to this. This is verse 2, 2 Peter 3 and 2. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. That's right. Where do you get the holy prophets? In the Bible? From Moses all the way to Malachi. Okay? You have to be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets. They were the ones who God used to produce the Old Testament. Okay? Uh, now, but it goes on. Once again, this verse, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of our Lord and Savior. Notice that the apostles' commandments and writings are put on the same level as the prophets. In other words, the prophets of the Old Testament produced inspired scripture, okay, through the work of God, so did the apostles, okay? So we need to realize this is what uh, uh, the apostles did. They gave us the New Testament, and the prophets gave us the Old Testament. Okay? No one can duplicate that. Anyone who calls himself an apostle today, okay, one thing for sure they cannot do is write Holy Scripture, right? That is something that was done by the, uh, the apostles we see in the Bible, and uh, it's not done anymore. And the apostles' writing is on the same level as uh, the prophets' writing. They are the Word of God. Right. So, apostles for today, I say no. Number to call, area code 866-423-9578. Area code 866-423-9578 to be on the air. Bible talk with Pastor Emmy Moss. Now, let's get down to some of the real nitty-gritty. What's interesting is that Paul was uh, kind of, let us say, uh, not appreciated by some, okay, who challenged his apostleship, yeah? Uh, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, okay, Paul defends his apostleship, okay? Uh, and it's very interesting what he said. What he said gives us insight into the qualifications that an apostle must have. 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, where Paul had, had to defend his appointment okay, as an apostle, and he did it with style. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, he says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? 
If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are you in the Lord. What did he give as proof that he was an apostle? Okay. Have I not seen the Lord? Every person who became an apostle had to have seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. Absolutely. They had to have seen it. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of paying high fees and commission even when you lose your money? How would you like to never lose your money again due to market risk? Join Joel Uplegger for the Safe Money and Income Radio Show, Saturday mornings at 9 on FM 92.7 AM 1500, Faith Talk Detroit. You can also call Joe now for your complimentary customized Safe Money Kit and Safe Money Book at 866-436-0133. That's 866-436-0133. It doesn't matter who you are or what you drive or even where you live. You have the power to give someone the most precious gift in the world, life. Nine out of ten Americans support organ, tissue, and eye donation, yet most don't know the proper steps for making that commitment. Right now, tens of thousands of people are waiting for an organ or tissue transplant. Each day in the United States, 118 people are added to the national transplant waiting list. You can make a difference. You can potentially save lives by signing up on the Gift of Life Organ Tissue and Eye Donor Registry. Right now, more than 2,500 people in Michigan are waiting for an organ transplant. While 918 people received a transplant in Michigan last year, 150 died needlessly because an organ transplant was not available in time. Your signature could save a life. Sign up on the Gift of Life Organ Tissue and Eye Donor Registry today, online, at giftoflifemichigan.org or by calling 800-482-4881 and give so others can live. I can help the next customer over here. Oh, thank you. Wow, that's a lot of books. Let's see, how to keep your child safe, child-proofing your home, child-proofing your yard, child-proofing your in-laws' home and yard. Well, I'm guessing you have a little one at home. Yeah. Well, it looks like you must take good care of her. Oh, thank you. Now, let's see. Parents' Guide to Safe Toys. That's a really good one. Parents' Guide to Safe Foods. Parents' Guide to Safe Safety Products. Parents' Guide to Parenting Guides. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and other safety tips. Of all the things you can read about keeping your child safe, the most important is attached to the back of their car seat. Read the instruction manual and learn to use the latch system. It makes it easier to be sure your child's car seat is installed correctly. Parents' Guide to Telling Other Parents How to Raise Their Kids. To learn more, go to safercar.gov. Anchor, tether, latch, the next generation of child safety. A message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ag Council. That number to call, area code 866-423-9578. Be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Henry Moss. We've got Johnny on the line right now. How you doing, sir? Hey, Pastor, doing great. How are you? Good, good. Good to have you on. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I really enjoy your show. You always got great uh, uh, topics to, to uh, talk about. So it's great. All right. Well, um, I I wanted to call in regarding that very topic that you're discussing right now. I I actually had someone ask that question about our apostles for today. 
um, maybe a few weeks back, we were at a Bible study, and and it was certainly my opinion, just as as you're sharing, uh, that they were not, and for the same reasons. Um, but they did did bring up um, a scripture in the book of Ephesians where it talks about how uh, God had given first apostles and pastors and teachers. Um, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but uh, for the uh, the sake of the, the, the perfecting until we all come into the unity. And so they use that to argue the case that uh, the the condition of until we all come into the unity of the faith, and they're saying, well, are we all in unity? Well, then, I guess we still need all those uh, offices, including that of the apostle. But they we're not arguing the case that that uh, the way that the apostleship was to be used today was in the same way that it was uh, in the you know first ch- or the early church uh, in terms of uh, the authority of scripture and, and things like that, but only in the sense that uh, the way that the apostles were used in in uh, correcting and in encouraging uh, the body and stuff like that. So, how would you address that argument? Well. Absolutely, we can address it, and I'm glad you brought it up because it is a good question to ask. Okay? Uh, what we're going to find, and this is what we will explore on the next program because we're almost out of time, but what okay. the apostles laid was a foundational ministry. They uh, laid the foundation that others mm-hmm. built it. but they themselves, uh, you know, in, in, in other words, the Bible is real clear uh, 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 concerning him over in First Corinthians 15 as well. And here's an interesting uh, one. This helps some of that. But we've got more verses to give you as well. Where it says in First Corinthians 15, uh, Paul mm-hmm. writes again, okay, verse 3, For I delivered uh, unto, uh, to you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom a greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, mm. he was seen of me as one born out of due season. Okay? So he mm-hmm. said that he was the first of them, and he was born out of due season. Okay? And right. so, yeah. And then also, uh, remember that apostles could write inspired scripture, right? which is real clear as well. And uh, you'll be with us also uh, uh, on the next program when we go into this. Here is what uh, uh, Paul could say. He said here in uh, 1 Corinthians 14:37. No, let's see, 36 and 37. What was mm-hmm. the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual... Let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Well, hold back, okay? Mm-hmm. Pastor's not writing something, sending it to everybody, talking about here, okay, when he writes, just as Peter said, that, uh, in fact, Peter said the same thing, that Paul's yeah. letters were scripture, just as his letter was scripture. Right. right? Yep. So that's the kind of authority that apostles had, the same kind mm-hmm. as the Old Testament prophets had. Now, the guy right. can uh, give a person a, a gift of prophecy today, but there's no prophets today like there were in the Old Testament. And there are no apostles like the uh, New Testament apostles. Sure. 
So, okay. but more help well, comes I... on. But we'll deal with it yeah, here in the next program. Well, thank you. I really appreciate uh, your answer on that. Okay, please uh, uh, get with me again uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'll, I'll try to. I might be working, though, at that time, but uh, I'll, I'll try to listen in at least. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, that number to call, area code 866-423-9578. Area code 866-423-9578. Our apostles for today. No, not in the biblical sense of the word, okay? Uh, the only thing similar to what apostles do in one aspect is mission, missions and missionaries who go all out the world preaching the gospel. But, of course, they could not produce scripture, okay? They did not see the resurrected Christ. We must understand that the Bible is clear concerning what the qualifications of apostles were, okay? Uh, and uh, so if people call themselves apostles in a lesser sense, than what we see in the New Testament, okay? But all I'm saying is there are no apostles today that have the same authority as the New Testament ones. We need to be careful of that, okay? We need to be careful of it because it's easy uh, for people to get authority that the Bible does not give them. All right, we're almost out of time. I wish I had more, but I'll be back. If you enjoy this program, you enjoy the information that you get on it, I love bringing it to you, but it costs us something. And so we need for you to send donations to P.O. Box 05877. That's P.O. Box 05877, Detroit, Michigan, 48205. That's P.O. Box 05877, Detroit, Michigan, 48205. Make out those checks to Bible Boot Camp Ministries. We appreciate hearing from you very much. And our P.O. Box is what keeps this program going. God bless you. We'll see you. Next time. Sponsored by Bible Bootcamp Ministry. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.